Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? Start to look at the lost with those eyes once again. Remember what you've been saved from. But not only that, remember what you've been saved for. But you know, here's where we see the transition. Mark chapter 8, verse 27. We're going to see Jesus is going to transition to, to, to laser focus, to begin to teach his disciples, these 12, which we know would become 11, which is always a sad story. Because one of them among the 12 disciples knew Jesus Jesus even called him friend, and yet his heart was far from Jesus. But here we see, starting in verse 27, we're going to see this transition. Now, they go up to this place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, if we get to go to Israel, Lord willing, we get to go there next uh, spring, the spring of 2024 as a church. We're working on all of that. It looks like it's coming together. As long as they don't shut down travel, you know, we'll see. But uh, Lord willing... You will get to go there. Caesarea Philippi, don't, don't confuse it with Caesarea by the sea. That's in the, on the Mediterranean. That's a neat place we'll go as well. But Caesarea Philippi is in the north. It's right at the headwaters of the Jordan River where three tributaries come together and there's over 70 springs that flow. It's one of the most beautiful parts of Israel. It is so beautiful. It was named for, uh, by Herod Philip. Remember, we talked about those amazing Herods. I'm just kidding. But that twisted family of Herods. Herod Philip named uh, Caesarea Philippi after... Caesar Augustus, of course, he got his own name in there, so it's Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. That's how it got its name. But it's this beautiful, lush area. It's so beautiful, but it's a lot like sin. It's beautiful to the eye. But it was one of the most evil areas of Israel. Understand, in that region, it's right at the base of Mount Hermon, and I won't even go into all this. Mount Hermon itself is evil. Think of Genesis 6. I won't go into all that. But... That whole region is just evil. There were 14 pagan temples in that area, and it was full of evil sacrifices, even of human beings. There were evil things going on in that region. It's beautiful to look at. Isn't that such a picture of sin? It's beautiful to look at, but one of the big temples there was to Baal, and one was to Pan. You may have heard of Pan. And this is going to be intricate for our story, or important for our story, because Pan is this half-man, half-goat demon god and they say he was actually spawned there at Caesarea Philippi. There's a giant cave there. When you go there, you'll see. And they had a temple of Pan. And what the water used to flow out of there, it was a, a gushing spring of water. And as uh, uh, God would have it, a couple centuries later, uh, Josephus talks about this. Um, so it wasn't too much long after Jesus met there. An earthquake ha- happened, and it stopped the flow of water from the cave of Pan. And now there's just a little spring there. So if you go there now, water pools there. But this is supposedly also, this cave of Pan is called the gates of hell in Jesus' day, which we'll see in our story today, or the gates of Hades. It's a very demonic, evil place where sacrifices were made and evil. It was just evil. Again, but it's so beautiful. 
But he takes them there, and verse 27, we read this. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? Now, we're going to... He, he makes this general question first, but he's going to ask a question after this that every single one of us are going to have to answer, that every human being on the planet has to answer. But right now, he keeps it general for his disciples. And he just says... Who do men say that I am? And you know, I have compassion for the disciples because we often forget these men were just fishermen. They weren't learned men. I mean, for the most part, there are a couple of learned uh, men among them. One of them was Judas. So that worked out. But, you know, it's, it's this thing. He, he's teaching them. And, you know, we have 2,000 years of history. We have the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit. We have all these things. But remember, this was brand new to them. They weren't religious leaders. They weren't scholars. They were getting a crash course in Messiah 101. Jesus is taking them along. Now think about this. He's teaching them these things without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's all brand new to them. They don't have the Bible to look at, the New Testament anyway. He's teaching them all this, and their lives are on full display for all generations to see all of their mistakes, all of their victories as well. I mean, think about that. Pretty humbling. But I'm thankful that these men walked with Jesus, that they learned from him because we learn from them. And I just love this. But then... They, so they're doing their best to answer. In verse 28, they try to answer him. They say, so they answered John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others, one of the prophets. So they're trying to give Jesus their best guess here, their best answer. Hey, you know, um, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some other prophets. Uh, you know, they're just throwing those. Have you, ever, have you ever been in that class where people just kind of throw stuff out to see what the teacher you know, says? Like, I kind of feel like that's what's going on here. They're like, well, we don't really know who you are, but... This is what other people say, you know. Um, and I do, I have compassion for them. But then Jesus makes it personal. And this is the most profound question that every human being will have to answer. He throws out this question in the verse, first part of uh, verse 29. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? See, he's talking in generalities and they're throwing out these answers. But he makes it personal. And this personal question has to be answered by everybody in this room, by everybody in this world. Every person has to answer this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Just a prophet? Just another man? Who do you say he is? Who do you say that I am? It's personal. And here's the wonderful thing. You know, I love Peter's response. And, and you know, we're going to look at more of Peter's response. Because Peter is so much like you and me. I call him roller coaster because that's like us. You know? it's amazing how many times Peter's up, he's down. He's up, he's down. And, it, and God just keeps working with him and on him. And that's our story. But I love this because Peter responds in a beautiful way. In the second part of verse 29, Peter answered and said to him, you are Christos, the Christ, Mashiach. You're Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You know, in, in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 16, we get a little more information about this conversation. It's a very famous conversation. It's misconstrued oftentimes by other religious groups. Matthew 16, 17, and 18, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He's standing there in front of the gates of Hades, in front of the gates of hell. And he's telling Peter, you know what? What you've said is true. And the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Which tells me also that was a very demonic place. Jesus is using it as an example, but he's there for a reason. But also know this. 
Some groups say that this means that Peter was the first pope because of the way that we read this in English. It sounds like the church is built on Peter. Look, I don't want a church built on some man. I can tell you that right now. Unless it's the God-man, Jesus Christ. Okay? But here's the thing. That's not what's being... What Jesus is saying is that he says, you are Peter, Petros, which means pebble or stone. But upon this Petra, I will build my church. Petra means bedrock, boulder, large rock. What he's saying is what you just declared, what you just said, Peter, is the bedrock of the church. It's the foundation that I am Christos, that I am Messiah. He's not saying Peter's the foundation. He's saying he is. And the declaration that Peter just gave, that Jesus Christ is Christos, he is Christ, he is Messiah, is the bedrock of the church. Again, I don't want any church that's not built on my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not built on the pebble, built on the bedrock. The rock, Jesus Christ. But we also know that Peter had an important part in the church. God used him profoundly, and I'm thankful for Peter. But let's never forget who the church is built upon. Jesus Christ. But then, the other thing happens here is that after, G- after Peter declares that he is Christ, in verse 30, then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. So it wasn't time yet to declare that Jesus was Messiah, even though some had an inkling, even though some thought they knew. It wasn't time to declare it. Jesus' time had not come yet. But then I love the old roller coaster here, Peter. I love what happens next because, again, it gives me and you hope. Verse 31 through 33, he says, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Poor Peter. But I'm so thankful for Peter. But have you ever noticed, you know, have you ever had people take you aside, you know, just to give you some advice, to tell you some things? You know, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But, you know, people want to take you aside. But Jesus is saying, no, I need to make a point of this. I need to make a point of this. And it's just, it's heartbreaking in a way because in one moment, He's being commanded, Peter's being commanded for doing the will of God and hearing from the Father. And the next moment, he's being rebuked for being a tool of Satan. <laughs> Have you ever had that in your life? Have you ever experienced that? You know, we, we deal with this in our own Christian life. You know, we're not perfect this side of heaven, no matter what you might think. We're not perfect. Uh, you know, like Peter, we're a work in progress. In one moment, we're walking in the Spirit. Per, you know, we're in our vehicles. I'm just giving you personal examples. We're in our vehicles and uh, we're praising the Lord, and some guy cuts us off, and the next thing we know, we're saluting that guy, you know, and just telling him what we think, and then we realize, oh, wait, I'm in the flesh. I mean, I haven't done that in years, okay? So, so you can't lie in church, right? So, um, but here's the thing. How many times in our own lives do we look at things we shouldn't look at, or we do things we shouldn't do, or we say things we shouldn't say? How many times are we used as a tool of the enemy? You know, we're not perfect this side of heaven, but, you know, Peter's a good lesson for us. God keeps working with Peter, and he keeps working with you and me, and we're a work in progress. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information visit our website.
Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.